What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 102 of the Open Guard Cast. Today we have Mindset Mike, Mike Moore with us. Mike is a former FBI agent, former D1 wrestler, a jiu-jitsu blue belt, and travels the country to work with elite athletes to perfect their mindset and help them achieve better results in competition. So, Mike, thanks a lot for taking the time to, uh, to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me on. For sure. So do you want to just start uh, talking a little bit about how you got involved in, in grappling? Sure. So, you know, obviously, uh, I'm 35 now, so I've been wrestling since I was seven. So having a, a wrestling base and wrestling all the way through like the D1 levels of college on a top 10 team, wrestling was always something that's been very passionate of mine. And I've always been interested in jiu-jitsu. You know, I've, I've been exposed around to it. But when I left the FBI to pursue the career in mindset coaching in 2016, around that time, uh, I, I told myself I, I'd like to get more involved in you know, martial arts, whether it be MMA, jiu-jitsu, et cetera. So I started teaching fighters how to wrestle, uh, jiu-jitsu players and MMA fighters, and I realized very quickly that I needed to spend more time do, doing jiu-jitsu. I started doing jiu-jitsu, absolutely loved it. You know, it's like, a, it's like wrestling, but more of a chess, a less explosive chess match with very violent consequences. Yeah. So I really appreciated that. Uh, anyways, the moral of the story is that I started training jiu-jitsu, I started competing, did very well, kept growing with that. And it's what started really to better understand helping others. Uh, I, I fell in love with the sport in and of itself. And while I don't get to train on a regular basis quite as much anymore, I still teaching grappling, teaching fighters, you know, working with high level guys on their wrestling and jujitsu on a regular basis. So now I, I get the opportunity to either wrestle with or do mindset training with some of the best uh, and elite athletes in jujitsu and MMA. That's amazing. So what originally got you interested in like becoming a mindset coach and trying to f- not necessarily like fix this problem, but introduce this s- style of thinking and, and work to the wrestling and jiu-jitsu communities? For sure. So what started me, surprisingly, was uh, I was a client of theirs, not personally, but for my wrestling club. So I was running a, an academy called Without Limits Wrestling. We've now merged with an MMA gym and are called War Training Center in Houston, Texas. So when I moved from uh, New York to the D.C. area to start my FBI career, I left the D.C. to go to Houston, immediately saw a need for high-level wrestling, opened up this academy. Second year, we had 13 kids in the state finals. Nine should have won. Five just kind of pooped the bed. Mm-hmm. And mentally physically they were so well prepared they just drastically underperformed in the one match that mattered most all year and i felt like i gave the right advice i gave the right training they knew exactly what they needed to do but this is what showed up and i was frustrated thinking to myself all the time and effort that we all put into this event for them parents athletes you know us as coaches how do i prevent that moving forward and i realized I gave really good advice, but there wasn't a process or a system behind it. And I kept seeing this happen over the previous years where, you know, kids would just get the opportunity to wrestle on a big stage or in a big match against a good opponent, whatever the case may be. And they're just consistently underperforming or they're consistently inconsistent and you can't predict how well they're going to go. So I sought out resources Uh, at the time. I, we were only called wrestling mindset. I Mm -hmm. used the platform with my kids, saw drastic results. I really believed in what they were doing, started coaching with them on the side when I was still in the FBI. And that led me in 2016 to ultimately leave my job to pursue an opportunity as a director in the company full time. And at that point, I think we had about 125 clients. Now we service about 4,000 athletes a year. Wow. Yeah, across about 26 sports. So a lot of people don't realize that we're more than a social media page who works with a couple athletes. Like mm-hmm. it's a massive operation with over 60 coaches. Yeah, that's incredible. So one of the things we, we kind of touched on a little bit before we started recording is working on your mindset prior to it becoming like a big problem and really impeding your results. So can you talk a little bit about that philosophy and why it's so important for athletes to work with a mindset coach early on and really make that a big focus of their training? For sure. So. Um, a couple of things, and also it, it continues to answer your last question. I've always been really passionate about the mental side of the game. I've enjoyed studying that when I was younger. I wanted to be a sports psychologist at one point, but it just wasn't a, a field that had a place in anything outside of the Olympics and professional yeah. athletes where you had connections, right? So it was something that I put to the side, but I was always passionate about the development here and here. And that was something that I was good at, but I didn't have a process. So fast forward. 
I'll ask you a simple question. What, what percentage of jujitsu, especially in competing, is mental versus physical? What, what, what's, what's an answer you would give? 80 to 90% mental. 80 to 90% mental. So why isn't 80 to 90% of our training geared towards that direction? Right now, on the flip side, let's just say it's a really important thing. You're telling me that whether or not you succeed is 80 to 90 percent here, but we do very little to nothing to systematically train that. And here's an easy way for me to say it most of the time when we train mindset, we listen to podcasts, we read books, uh, we get advice. Well, how about you stop going to uh, jujitsu? Let's let's stop training. Let's listen to podcasts about jujitsu and guard passing. Let's watch videos on how to pass guard. But let's not drill. Let's not, uh, let's not train, right? Let's get stronger by just talking about strength training. Let's get faster by just reading books on running, right? And when, we, when you put it like that, it sounds almost kind of uh, silly that it's been like this for so long. But we've just been ingrained for years and years that – you know, you just keep competing, you get tough and you figure it out. Well, 20, 30, 40 years ago, that worked because yeah. life was tough. Sports were tougher. So life taught us a lot of these coping mechanisms and skills to perform and be resilient and build confidence, etc. Well, life got easier. Sports was still kind of hard. Now life and sports got much softer, right? I mean, heck, we just saw in the Olympic finals for karate, some guy got disqualified for kicking someone too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, come on, Saw come that. on, man. <laughs> so here's the moral of the story: is that we're gonna say that mindset is ninety percent. I'm sure if I ask you or any elite athletes, like, hey, think of the last three or four times that you lost. Did you lose because they were just legit better than you, or because you didn't perform to your ability? Now, if you now if you re if you refought that match to the best of your ability, would you have won? Most people would say probably yes. So okay. Why is it okay to be inconsistent in our jujitsu that we pour so much time, energy, and money into, but it's not okay to be inconsistent at work where we will get fired if we underperform? Makes makes a lot of sense. I would actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I would I would almost say it's even a higher percentage just because your mind I feel like your mind directs your body. So even to progress physically and athletically and with your attributes, it's still something that you have to make that decision in your head and be consistent with your thought processes too to even get those physical gains. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, um, at your Academy, you have a, your professor has a process to pass guard, how yep. to pass this guard, how to pass this guard, how to pass this guard. Imagine he said, you know what, you know, just like grab their legs, go back and forth and try to go really hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, like that's just not how it works. The best schools are successful because they have systems. Well, we have no system to train our mind and essentially where wrestling mindset, martial arts mindset, and you know, all of our other platforms, sports specific, systems and curriculum to train an athlete's mind the exact same way that we train their body by doing training not just talking about it now again mind you uh when it comes to performance as a mental coach and as a coach in general the objective should never be to win right you get to compete you don't have to win but Mm -hmm. your obligation you're not obligated to win but you are obligated to perform to the best of your ability so all you got to do is just hey man like you got six, seven, 10 minutes, whatever it is, you got to fight as hard as you can. And then we'll see what happens on the other side. Right. But the problem is, is that like, we, we don't fight to our potential and that's where we come into problems. So again, you don't have to be sick to want to get better. The idea is clearly the mind is a muscle and we mm-hmm. need to exercise it like we do in other areas of training for our sport. That's awesome. So let's say someone is interested in getting into mindset training, but they have zero experience. Maybe they've competed a couple times, but they really are listening to your advice and they want to do this preemptively. What is like the first step for getting into that process and really diving into it? Is it like a series of questions for them um, to solve like a particular issue or do you have kind of a general set of guidelines for everyone? For sure. So I would say there's three types of athletes that come to us and really one particular type of athlete that ends up coming to me. Mm -hmm. And the first type of athlete is just like, hey, man, I understand mindset's important or, you know, I'm I'm an average athlete and I want to get the most out of myself and just jump to the next level. Right. So think about it mentality wise. I want to jump from blue belt to purple belt here. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I'm immediately being able to perform at my best consistently. The next level of athletes are the ones that are probably placing at a lot of tournaments or just missing placing. They're very competitive, but they want to close the gap. 
right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other type of athlete that we tend to get and where I particularly work with the most and see a lot of the most is the elite athletes that like either they're in the top three or four and, and you know, they're trying to make sure when they get the opportunity to fight the best that they perform or they are the top dog and they're like, hey man, like I, I need an edge. Everyone's working hard. Everyone's training hard. You know, everyone's doing this, everyone's doing that. I need something that's different. So the process that you approach it is essentially very much the same as far as like you would do anything. If you Mm -hmm. wanted wrestling lessons, hey man, let's roll for like 15 minutes. I'm going to see where you're weak. I'm going to see where you're strong. We're going to start working on the areas that you need the most work on first. And, you know, the skills and the positions you need the most work on first. And then we'll work our way backwards and make the things that you're good at freaky good. So realistically speaking, right, mental muscles like confidence, relaxing under pressure, being aggressive, self-mastery, um, mental toughness. These are things that we objectively ask like in an evaluation type questions. And you can ask yourself, uh, answer these questions. You could figure out where you're good, where you're not, where you need the most work. And we work through the curriculum that way. What I would say is like the big, the, the main difference in approach is like when I'm working with people that are the elite of the elite, they've probably competed on the biggest stages in the world. We all get nervous, right? We all get butterflies, et cetera, but it's less about being nervous and more about making sure that when I show up, I show out. It's mm-hmm. making sure I enjoy fight week. I enjoy and I'm happy, excited to compete versus like what you heard clear as day from Derek Lewis and in his interviews, man, I feel all the pressure. I just like feel the weight, man. Like I- I've never felt this before. And you hear him say this. I guarantee you, like, this is the first time that man's had a full training camp, maybe, but once or twice in his career. He said, he's like, I never worked harder. I never did more. I did all the right things. Bro, you should have been doing all the right things eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Right? But, yeah. but because now he treated it special, right? And you saw clear as day he wasn't smiling. When he came out, he was super serious. This dude is a knockout artist. He's throwing head kicks. Change his game plan. <laughs> change his game plan. Like, he changed up a lot. Like, so giving yeah. you a process to manage your mind is something that obviously, like, we all want, if we want to compete at the highest levels in jujitsu, you know, grappling is chess and it, it's a game. You get to play this game. You don't have to win it. And sometimes you don't win it, even if you play it better. But having a process to manage this allows this much to be much easier managed. Like, you have one of the best professors in the country. You want to shout him out? Marcio Andre. <laughs> yeah, man. Marcio Andre, so, too, Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, for real. You know, like I just, I haven't got, I had an opportunity to talk with uh, Mar- uh, Marcio when I was at Fight to Win uh-huh. in, in Phoenix. I didn't get a chance to say hi to you, but I, you know, I, I got a few minutes to talk to Marcio and just talking about the guys that he beats and hearing people that train at your gym and just the, the way that he teaches, like phenomenal physical systems. This doesn't show up. You could have. Marcio and every, you have the best grapplers in the planet in your corner. It doesn't matter if yeah. this and this doesn't show up. This doesn't matter very much. For sure. So you touched a little bit on like some of the the bigger mistakes, like Derek Lewis, like kind of making the moment like special or making it big or important. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other common mental mistakes you see most often in that elite group of athletes? So in the elite group of athletes, I think the biggest one is I have to win versus I get to be here. Right. Like mm-hmm. you when you or like I have to beat this guy versus like I, I get the chance to fight this guy. Right. They're so focused on outcomes that they have no control over versus focusing on the process of preparation and performance. They've mm-hmm. absolutely every, every bit of control over. And like yeah. most people like most I would say most grapplers and fighters at a high level, like they have some strong coping mechanisms. A lot of people and you probably agree. A lot of people in the high levels of martial arts like. They probably went through some shit when they were growing up or younger areas in their life. That's why we choke and punch people in the face. <laughs> Definitely. Right? Like the average person does not be like, you know what? Like at 24, I want to start punching people in the face. <laughs> you know, at, at, at 18, like, I don't really, I'm not about this college life. Like, let me punch dudes in the mouth. Yeah. You know? So there's usually, like, my point is they, they've had to learn to cope, mm-hmm. usually unproductively, but like they've had to learn how to cope with some things. They've got some good skills. And, you know, you have to, um, it's more so like at the highest levels about enjoying the process. I'm going to, I'm going to play you something um, from one of my UFC fighters that she said in her uh, recent interview. So Jin Frey, she went, um, 
She was the Invicta World Champ, two-time, three-time, and then she went 0-2 in the UFC. We started mm-hmm. working with each other, and now she's 2-0. She just beat Ashley Yoder. And awesome. uh, this is, yeah, this is what she had to say, and I think this is so true for people at the elite levels of uh, jiu-jitsu. Okay. Just so relaxed and so calm, and I felt like, you know, when you're unburdened, you're free to do anything, and so, you know, you're, you're free to give your best performances. You're free to go in there and just enjoy yourself. And not... And she talked a lot about how, like, you know, she felt the, she used to, you know, feel the weight of fight week and the weight of just waiting to make weight versus, like, you know, I was just excited to be here. Like, I was in a good mood. Like, I was happy to do the things that I needed to do. And the biggest thing that I work with, and I can't give away all the secrets, but, like, one of the reasons why in the last year I've had three teams win a national title and a bunch of guys do, and girls do some unthinkable things, it's essentially learning how to weaponize uh, gratitude um, and heart. So how to weaponize dopamine. Essentially, mm-hmm. Penn State in wrestling, they won eight out of nine straight national titles. They were beating people by large margins. They were mm-hmm. dominating people who had equitable talent as them. And, but they were, like, smiling and having fun doing it. Yeah. And everyone's, like, scratching their head. They're like, why aren't we all, like, mean-mugging and, like, you know, being all <laughs> tough wrestler-like? The, the, these guys are, like, coming out to Pokemon songs <laughs> in their walkout and, like, joking with each other before the biggest match of their life. Yeah. And uh, it comes down to they, they believe the mental edge of that team is gratitude. And mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into that, like, conversation for a whole other hour. But what it comes down to is um, I get to do this versus I have to win. It comes down to like having a bigger purpose that's not connected to winning versus feeling obligated to do a certain thing. So when you learn to be happy and when you're happy and excited to compete, there's no room to be nervous or worried. It just, there's not enough room in your brain. Focus is finite. So mm-hmm. when you can get people loaded with that happiness, what it does is your brain produces dopamine. And when your brain produces dopamine and you're happy and you're relaxed, you're willing to take chances. Something goes wrong. It's not a big deal. You're just excited to be there and you're smiling. And um, what a lot of people do, they feel like either I'm excited to be here or I don't want to mess it up. And yeah. even people that win, but they win tight, they don't enjoy that process. Yeah. Right. Versus when you can really be present in the moment mm-hmm. and not make what you're doing any bigger or smaller than what it is. Like, hey, man, I got a job to do. It's a fun job, but it's still a job. And I think staying in the moment is something Junior Casio talks a lot about with our training. It's uh, 15 seconds at a time, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes is a long time, but being able to stay in the moment, be excited to be there and just fight 15 seconds at a time. That's a tremendous thing that in competition, mental coaching will do. Uh, it'll prevent a lot of, it'll prevent any like, you know, big meltdowns that you've seen happen a lot lately. And Ultimately, and I hear this so much from my jujitsu and my MMA fighters, quality of life, like, like just happier, more grateful to get to do what they love versus feeling like I have to go to practice. I have to cut weight. I have to win. I, ha- I-, I have to get on a plane at 6 a.m. Bro, you get to get on a plane at 530 in the morning. Like you're getting paid to do jujitsu in Denver, right? Like in front of thousands of people. Like that's cool as hell. Like, don't ever feel like you have to do this. If you feel like you have to do this, then stay home. So I'd say at an elite level, that's like the biggest thing, like enjoying the moment instead of making it bigger, being present, like fully present 15 seconds at a time to where it's almost like feeling like the matrix, right? Like you see and feel things different. Um, And then understanding how to weaponize dopamine and gratitude to where, you know, everything is an opportunity. And when like what's the biggest thing in like life coaching nowadays? Gratitude journals, gratitude, gratitude. Mm -hmm. We talk about gratitude, but nobody teaches you how to build it and use it. That's like, we talk about mindset, but nobody teaches you how to use it. Yeah. It sounds really great in theory, but in practice, not a lot of people are doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's go talk about passing guard, but like not work passing guard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So a lot of uh, jujitsu competitors are, competing at the amateur level right now like there's more money coming into the sport and there's definitely guys who are competing and making a living from it but how do the the mindset issues change as you get lower in skill level oh that's a great question and like never overlooked and it never never addressed because everyone just wants to talk about the best guys right mm-hmm. so in the beginning most jiu-jitsu athletes didn't play a ton of competitive sports. I can't say most. A lot of jujitsu athletes yeah, have not percentage. played a lot of, a good percentage mm-hmm. were like 
not athletes growing up. Yeah. And that's the cool, one of the coolest things about jujitsu is that like, you don't have to be an athlete to be good at it. It certainly helps you assimilate quicker, but mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you, you talked about Sophia in her, um, in your, in your mentioning of blue belts. And I was like shocked yeah. to find out that like the martial arts was like her first sport. Yeah, she never really crazy. did anything else. It's crazy. <laughs> but like, she's so athletic. Can you imagine yeah. what, like what she would have done if she played sports growing up? Anyways, like what it, you, without competing at a high level, whether it be college level sports or at a high level in high school, no one teaches you how to compete. So at the rudimentary level of jujitsu, like you are, you know nothing. How do you warm up? What am I supposed to think? What am I not supposed to think? Well, I know I'm not supposed to care about winning and losing, but I think I need to win. So I feel like I don't want to make a mistake. So I'm going to compete really cautious and hesitant. And all of a sudden, why are my legs heavy? Why are my, why are my arms dead? It's 10 seconds into my match. Why can I feel none of my grips? I don't understand. Right? Like why I, I know how to frame and get up, but I feel like I forgot how to shrimp. Uh, Cobrinha, I interviewed him and he's like, I'm not even going to try to do his accent. Although I really want to. <laughs> he was like, you know what? I'll, I'll try. I'll try. Yeah, he's let's like, try you know, it. I'll, I'll try it. Terrible Brazil, terrible Brazilian accent. He's like, you know, like in the practice. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to do it. I'm not even going to put your professor. I have too much respect to make you sound like a Dagestani. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm probably going to make you sound like a Russian. So he's like, there's lions in the practice room. These black belts are absolute savage. And then they become kitty cats that forget how to shrimp in competition. And it doesn't matter what level you are. Like when you don't have a process to manage your mind, it's very difficult to compete well, let alone at your best. So at the, 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 at the beginning levels, how do I warm up? Did I get too much of a warm up? Not enough warm up. Um, like how do I, how do I um, when I make a mistake, how do I not let it affect the rest of my match? How do I not get nervous before I compete? What do, what do I do with all, like why am I peeing 16 times? as I'm getting ready for my match, like, you know, what understanding even like what you're thinking and feeling, um, how to warm up at a basic level. How about, how about, cause mindset is not just confidence and stuff, right? Like how about a game plan? Yeah. Like people just go out there like, Oh, you want to pull guard? Oh, that's cool. Oh, you want to go in half guard? Okay. That's cool. Like, Oh, you want to go to 50, 50? Oh, that's cool. Right? Like high level sports, you realize like it's my game or no game. My grips are no grips. Like mm-hmm. I'm not, pl- I don't really care what you want to do. Like you're going to play my game or we're not going to play. And so I think mindset training at uh, the lower levels. And again, I don't mean to insult anybody. I'm just saying when you're not competing for world titles, right? right. You're not mm-hmm. top 10 in the world. You're in the early stages. Um, and this could even be a black belt, right? Who just hasn't competed a lot at a high level. So People that haven't competed or they're newer to jujitsu, nerves, confidence, routines, game plans, uh, being able to reset and stay present. And similarly, like I see the, the newer competitors and they look exhausted by the time they get on the mat. They're so emotionally drained from the fight or flight response instead of, cause like, you know, as a wrestler, I probably have 500 to 1,000 wrestling matches in my life somewhere. Someone tried to take my face off between 500 and 1,000 times since I'm seven. So jujitsu has some extreme consequences that cost a lot of money to fix if I yeah. don't tap correctly. Um, so I have a sense of urgency to do my game plan, stay in my, stay in my zone. Like I've, just, I've been here so often. Not only that, like, oh, this is the same feeling I used to get before I would wrestle. This is the same feeling I get whether I wrestle a scrub or the number one kid in the country. I'm, I, 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 this is important to me. I'm not nervous, right? I'm excited. This mm-hmm. is important to me. So my brain does not know the difference between I'm about to get into a gunfight and I'm getting to do jujitsu at a tournament. Yeah. Your brain does not know the difference. It just knows that it's stress and it's important. So it does a, a, a list of things related to your fight or flight response. So at a simple level, that's half the performance issues and the anxiety for, you know, lower level competitors because they just don't know what they don't know. Mhm. Yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah, that's that's amazing advice. Um I had something else kind of pop into my head as you were talking about sure. um social media because I feel like nowadays everyone's on social media, they're on Instagram, Facebook, they want the likes and you know, the pictures at the top of the podium, getting those shared and everything, getting the attention. 
Is that something that you address specifically, or is that something that's part of uh, like a wider issue, kind of caring too much about what other people think of your results? Oh, you may. You got some good questions, bro. <laughs> yeah, some good questions. No, those are those very insightful questions. So uh, we call that the fan mentality. So mm -hmm. uh, one of the biggest concepts that we talk about is a predator mindset. I'm looking for my man. Do I, I don't do I not have the? Here it is. I'll, I'll just show it to you on my phone because I, I can't see the. Okay, that works. I can't see the. Can, can you see that picture? Yes. Yeah. That's that's one that uh. Got really famous. I don't remember when that one came out, but maybe like four or five years ago, something like so that. that was Last Olympics? Yeah, it was 2016 in Rio. That's uh, Michael Phelps and uh, a, a guy that nobody knows except for this picture. <laughs> um, what, you, what you don't know is that that guy beat Michael Phelps in the world championships. Nobody realizes that. He spent the next year obsessing about beating Michael Phelps, talking smack on the internet, mean mugging him, all this stuff, right? And ultimately, like, one of the, like I said, this concept of predator mindset, predator animals are, are genetically created with eyes in the front of their head. Prey animals are genetically created with eyes on the side. So lions, tigers, bears, humans, we have eyes in the front. Yeah. Bunnies, rabbits, squirrels, and deer and things that you hunt, sheep, eyes on the side. So predator animals do not have peripheral vision. They can only worry about directly in front of them and their task at hand. Prey animals have to worry about everything that's around them, which is why oftentimes, right, like you walk into a room and you see a mouse, what does the mouse do? Runs away, right? You walk into a room and you see a lion, the lion's like, what the hell are you doing in my room? Right? So the mouse is constantly, and, and, the, and the deer and all these people, they're constantly looking around, worrying about all these other things, but they're not focused on what's directly in front of them, the things that they can control. They're afraid of what might happen instead of being focused on what they can do next. Predator mm -hmm. animals are, are the exact opposite. They're wired to either be killing, chilling, or protecting their family. There is no other thought. Um, I say all that to say is that when, um, when it comes to mindset training, those, probably the biggest thing that people do at the, even at the highest level, comparing themselves to other people, worrying about what other people think, when in reality, like, hey, there's a 10-minute match in front of you. What they think or what they don't think or what they say or what they don't say has absolutely no relevance to the 10 minutes that you've got a guy trying to tear your Achilles tendon off. Okay. The only thing that matters is that 15 seconds at a time, you give him hell. He never wants to compete against you again. You give a full effort and you have an attitude like, I'm just so excited to show my skill set. Right. So the problem with that is that that's not how most people think. They think that other people's opinions matter. So they feel like they have to put stock into what they post, how they look, what they do. Well, what if I lose? Well, what if I don't do well? Well, what if this? Well, what if that? And that's a lot of emotional energy that's drained. And um, if worrying about other people helped you perform better, then I'd be all for it. But mm -hmm. if your emotional energy was connected to money, we would all agree that like your bank account would just getting drained if you worried about things that didn't give you a return on your investment. If I was an investor and you had 10 G's and you're like, hey man, like what should I invest in? Um, and I'm like, well, you can invest in, in this stock right here. Uh, it's probably not going to do well. Like, actually, I can pretty much guarantee you it's not going to do well. But you can give it a shot. And like, I don't know, maybe you're like the one out of 100 that it works for. Yeah. No, no one's going <laughs> to toss their money into that. Right? But why do, we do, why do we do that? Why do we look up our opponents? Why do we look in the brackets and see who beat who and like what's their background and what's their record and what they did before when the only thing that matters is how good I show up? Mm-hmm. That's how we're conditioned to think. So um, back to the original question, like how do we address that? You have to have a blatant disregard to records, rankings, other people. And if you're on social media, you're posting it for you or because you're obligated to by fight to win or you know, flow grappling or whatever. It's got nothing to do with other people. You could be the most wonderful human in the world and you'll still be the enemy in somebody's eyes. You can be the biggest POS on the planet and still be a hero to some people. Right, like you see the love and hate relationship with a lot of uh, people across the internet, like that. So, and you have zero. You have to focus on the things that you can control, and you can, can only control yourself, what you do, and your response to other things. So, if you can't control other people, then don't invest your money in a stock that that has a uh, pro proven track record of not only not giving you a return on your investment, but draining your bank account. So. We tell them that you can either be a competitor or you can be a fan. You cannot be both. You're sitting in the stands cheering you on or you're here to do a job. 
your job is to make someone never want to compete against you again, have a lot of fun, and you know, give a full effort for six to ten minutes, whatever it may be. Do your job, and then keep doing your job. And then at the end of the day, we'll see how good of a job that you did in comparison to other people. But when you start playing and worrying about that fan mentality, it pulls you away from the present moment. And if you want to be competitive, you have to be where your feet are. I'm in the collar tie. I'm, I'm in my single leg, right? Like I'm stuck in half guard. Um, and I'll tell you those listening, like I'm the guy, right? Like I'm the number one mental performance coach in wrestling for sure. And then in combat sports, probably one of the most well-known, if not had the most clients at a high level. And when I did my super fight, I had all the same thoughts you did. I probably had a little less than you did. Um, and anytime they came in, I just immediately filtered them to a productive place, right? Mm -hmm. I had tools, but I thought those things, I thought, well, like, you know, I'm the top wrestling coach in Houston, the guy that I'm wrestling with, they specifically put against me because he's supposed to be a good wrestler. What if I get taken down in front of all my students? What if I get taken down and then they just replay that and make a highlight video out of me? And then, and then that affects the business and my club. The difference is that I thought about that for 4.2 seconds and then I laughed out loud. It was like, this dude's not even going to touch my legs. What am I thinking? Like, and it, and it realistically, like, no matter what happens in my match, my students are going to be excited and proud of how well I perform, not whether or not I won. Because if I won two to nothing and ran away from him the whole time, I would go home and my students would not be proud of me. But if I lost and went down swinging, what's more important? So, you know, that's a process that you don't just wake up and have. And that's something that, you know, we have to teach people. Uh, they, they, you can't change the way someone feels about that fan mentality until they change the way that they think, until they change the way that they think and feel about records and rankings and who beat who and how good they are and what school they, what school they train at. Well, he's got Danaher in his corner. Well, Danaher's not grappling. Yeah. Right? And listen, like, just because they have a good corner, well, you know, he's got, he's got freaking Gordon Ryan in his corner. Now, if you were fighting Gordon Ryan, I can understand, but you're not. You just got Gordon Ryan in his corner. So, like, he doesn't bring his medals onto his athlete's mat. And even if it was Gordon Ryan, moral of the story is that, like, you know, it, it's a – the comparison game is huge. Oh, this guy's so much bigger than me. Yeah, but I've beaten bigger guys before. Well, he, he, he fights at Atos. I mean, not everybody at Atos is good. And even if they are good, that doesn't mean that they're, like, going to be able to perform as well as they need to to beat me today. And that's not some like motivational, like pulling your chain. Like that's the truth. Mm -hmm. So it's not that you're cocky. Like you, you just, you, you just learn to believe and understand that like they could be a world champ, but you know, maybe they didn't have a good wake up, uh, a, a good wake cut. Maybe they don't feel good today. Maybe their girlfriend broke up with them. Maybe they're upset about something. Maybe they just have a bad day. So focus on the things that you can control, not worrying about everything that's around you. And all you can control is your effort, your attitude and the aggressiveness and the preparation that you bring in. That's awesome advice. I, I kind of wanted to build off it a little bit because you mentioned like looking up your opponent, seeing what his accolades are, and maybe watching his game. Is that something that you are against for most competitors? Because I've seen like different approaches. I've seen some athletes mm -hmm. completely ignore their opponents, focus solely on themselves. I've seen some do a lot of research. And then I've seen some where their coach does the research. That seems to me like it would be a good balance. But what, what would you... Uh, that's that advocate for that's so that's that that's the money shot like to give an objective blanket statement you shouldn't look up anything you should just know your mat assignment mm -hmm. and when you're supposed to be up uh ultimately your game is what's going to work not this magical masterful game plan especially like an ibjjf tournament like a super fight can involve a little bit more strategy right you're preparing yeah. for one person yep. but your game and your ability to implement your game and impose your game on your opponent that's what's going to make the difference between winning and losing so if you're at a competitive level and your coach wants to look some things up, I sure hope your coach gives you really good advice instead of saying, hey, man, make sure you don't get caught in a guillotine. Like, she's guillotined the last, like, three people in a row, you know, <laughs> versus, like, well, shit, I guess I'm not going to shoot now. And, uh, well, you know, like, you know, and, like, now you're hesitant versus, like, hey, man, make sure you keep great posture. Like, this girl likes the guillotine. So, uh, you know, you, you have great guillotine defense. Let's focus on this and this and this, right? Like, Ideally, coaches do the research. It doesn't always necessarily happen, but coaches, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, like take a look and give constructive advice as to what you should do, not to what you should avoid. Because everybody understands who Jordan Burroughs is in wrestling. 
He's got mm-hmm. the best double leg in wrestling. Well, guess what? If you try to not get doubled, you're going to get doubled. Definitely. Right? Like, don't, yeah. don't, don't try to not get doubled. I'm just going to keep my hands low, circle to his back leg, good head position, control his wrists. I'm going to do what I can do, not focus on not getting doubled. So the problem when you give it to a lot of your coaches is that they give, like, you know, ang- you know unfortunately, like, uh, not the best type of advice. So mm-hmm. it almost would be better to just know nothing. And understand like, hey, I'm going to assume that you're, you're, you're world class and you're just as good, if not better than me. So I'm going to impose my game, my grips, my position to the best of my ability and uh, do my best to wear you out and fight my fight. That's, that, that's the best approach. But if you have a really smart coach, have them watch, structure your training around it, um, have some, you know, some technical things around it, but don't drastically change anything. Don't be Derek Lewis who throws bombs and then start throwing spinning head kicks. Yeah. You know, like dance with the girl that brought you here, but like make sure that you have a balance. So as you were talking about that, I thought of something else that I really want to pick your brain on. But for coaching, like coaches obviously have to implement like the technical game plan, the, the systems for like the physical improvement. But like what's some basic advice you would give for coaches who want to make sure they're covering the mindset base or at least making their athletes aware of it as something that they should be working on? Sure. So good question. One of the things I would say is that like I don't care if you've won ADCC three, four times. I don't care if you are uh, the absolute best in the world unless you have a systematic training program to train your athlete's mind. What you're giving is really good advice. Well, I've had a mental coach. Well, I read all these books. Okay, you're giving pieces of tools, right? Mm -hmm. That's like talking about passing guard uh, and you're focused on passing without teaching posture, right? You know, things like that. So, and I I don't mean to insult anybody's ego. No, no. Just, you know, like, listen, I'm sure a lot of high-level coaches, they, they know how to lift, but elite people hire experts in the field. Yeah, or dietitians right? or stuff like dietitians, that. Dietitians, yeah. right? Everyone, all these UFC fighters, they, they know how to cut weight. Why mm. do they pay thousands to nutritionists? Because they're, they have it down to a science, right? Like yeah. uh, Stephen Thompson ate five meals the, the, in the 24 hours leading up to weigh-ins. Five meals. <laughs> Most only okay. five meals in a week leading up to in it. In a week, yes. <laughs> and, it's an, and it's IBJJF. And they're like, well, I know my first match is just going to suck because I'm going to feel like shit. So best of yeah. luck to me. Um, so more of the story is like the best advice you can give is like present resources. You can give great experience. Uh, make sure that your advice comes down to like focus on what you can control, have a good game plan, um, you know, seek out provide them with resources on places that like, Hey, follow these pages. They give good advice. Hey, this, uh, this company, this guy does a really good job. If you want to be competitive, you should seek their advice out. And, you know, like I said, to prepare them, most people think it's just about being tough and that toughness is enough and toughness is not enough anymore to be successful. So what they think is that like hard training, like get them tired, get in their face and, you know, that's great. And that's definitely required. But like toughness is five worksheets out of 60 for us, right? What you need is to build resiliency and coping skills. What you need is like a structured process to manage your mind. Um, have you ever heard when Joe Rogan talked about our company on his podcast? I believe so. I've seen the clip. I don't, I didn't see the full episode, yeah. so I didn't have as much context for it, but yeah, it's, it's him and Ben Askren. He's like, you know. Oh, I no, did. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, there's no rock solid process to manage your mind. He's like, everybody teaches you how to wrestle. Everybody teaches you how to kickbox. There's no real process to manage your mind. And you know, Ben Askren goes starts talking about how, how good of a job that our, that our company does with this. I say that to say is that he prefaced the conversation with like how there's no process, talking about how like imagine if you've never seen or know how to change a tire. And your tire goes flat in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, well, I think there's like some tools in the back. Um, okay, let's, let's go into the trunk. All right. I don't understand why this tire is so small. This isn't the same size tire. What's this, what's this thing? Like, what is, what, like, what's this stick and what's this thing? Where do I put, do I like hit the tire with it? Like, <laughs> do I like put this like underneath the tire? Do I have to lift it? How do, you have no, if you don't know, how do you know? Right? Like someone laid out a process like, all right, so like you jack it up. This is how you jack it up. Once it's off, then you take the lug nuts off and then you do this and then you do that. And, you know, 
I, I would, again, at an elite level, I would direct people towards experts and resources in the field. If you don't know, direct them towards, at a minimum, like books and good podcasts, good pages to follow. As a coach, the biggest thing I would say is stop making it about other people, like how good other people, hey, this is a big tournament. No, it's like, it's business. Business mm -hmm. as usual. You're, I'm excited to compete. You don't have to win. Hey, make sure you make sure your game, like this, this next guy is real good. Like everyone's real good. I, I have to compete my best here and whether or not that's good enough. So more of a story, long-winded answer. I apologize. Is, no, it was great. Uh, have them focus on themselves, mm -hmm. not other people. Do not hype up events like pans and worlds. Um, even casually, like don't, it's, that should be something they're excited to do, not something that they feel pressure to perform at a very high level. Uh, you should have that identical performance at Naga as you do at Worlds, because ultimately you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose at Naga, just like you don't want to lose at Worlds. Yeah. But how many people in your, in your circle do you see lose first round on an advantage at Pans that should probably be in the finals? More than I want to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, uh, that's what inspired me ultimately to really give a push to the martial arts specific program. Is that like one mm -hmm. of my one of the guys that was one of my initial jujitsu professors, and he's good. Like he beats my ass and <laughs> still beats my ass, even when he's like out of shape, beats my ass. And um, he would lose first round at like at all these tournaments, and I'm like, man, like what a heartbreaking feeling to yeah. know that you're good. And put all of this time, effort, money, time off work, all this stuff, just to not show up. And yeah, uh, that's hard. Yeah, <laughs> that's hard. So I think the other, the, the last thing that I'll say with that, as far as giving them advice, like, uh, um, oh, what was the other thing that I could say? Uh, don't overhype the tournaments. Don't don't talk about other people. Oh, just you know, make it clear the things that like they can control. Like mm -hmm. you can control your effort, your attitude, your aggressiveness. That's all, and your preparation, like your pre-fight routine and the preparation leading in. Once you get to weigh-ins and fight day, like you should be excited. This is like a gift, right? Like this is what you yeah. earned. Like you waited all year for Santa to give you the gift that you wanted. So you were real good. You didn't talk back in school. You did all your chores, like unwrap your gift, right? You worked all week. You worked all week or you worked all summer to earn enough money to buy that car. Cash your check. You're not going to give half your summer earnings in high school back to your boss, right? Like, cash your check. Don't waste energy worrying about the competition or who you've got to face. Be excited that you get the opportunity to showcase your skill set. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. That's awesome. So when you're coaching an athlete, do you make a distinction between their mindset coaching when they're about to perform on the mat and stuff that happens off the mat? Or is that, do they tie into each other? Say that one more time, please. Sorry. So when you're coaching someone who's like an elite competitor or even just an amateur competitor, do you make a distinction between their performance mentality when they're going into a match versus stuff that they're going through off the mat? Maybe they're having some family issues or maybe they're just having some, some issues in, in their normal everyday life. Are there different coaching methods or different ways to address each of those problems? I would say that, you know, if you're messy in one area, you're going to be messy in other areas. Um, so understanding that like it's all connected, but when you get, when you get to train, I don't have to train, I get to train. When you get to train, this is your opportunity to block out anything else that's going on in your life. Now that doesn't mean, and what a lot of people do in jujitsu is just like, they, they train and compete almost like to, uh, like, like I do. And I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I'll work myself to the bone sometimes to not necessarily deal with some of the other things in my life. Um, so to, to go backwards is the way that you manage your mind is going to be the way that you manage thoughts is what's when you're competing is no different than the way that you manage thoughts on your day-to-day -day life. So I tell people our session and training isn't when you practice, I'm sorry, our session and competitions isn't when you practice your mindset training all day, every day is when you practice the tools that I'm giving you, right? So when you can control the way that you think, you can control the way that you feel, you'll control the way that you act. So you can influence the outcomes of what happens to you day to day when you focus on the things that you can control. And it's the first one being managing moments in the way that you think. So if they're going through stuff, like we have to address both and give them the understanding that like this tool that helps you compete better, it also helps you like deal with your day-to-day -day stuff better too. So 
you can't control what's going on around you, but you can control how you respond and being able to just start, try to stay pre as present as possible. So if that means you have to like reset yourself and <sighs> refocus yourself a hundred times in the day, cool, right? Like do it. The more that you can manage moments, the more minutes you'll win. The more minutes you'll win, the more, the more hours you'll win. The more hours you win, the more days you win. The more days you win, the more weeks you win. You see where I'm going? Yeah, absolutely. So mindset is mindset, whether in jujitsu, wrestling, or life in your career. Makes a lot of sense. So, Mike, I just want to commend you for all the work you're doing for the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu community. It's really cool to see you working with some of the, the top jiu-jitsu guys now. You mentioned Junio Casio. I know you work with Johnny Tama. So I just want to give you an opportunity to let people know where they can connect with you or what they can do if they're looking to seek out these type of services. For sure. Um, and also, I, I want to uh, give a shout-out to one of Junie's teammates who's uh, um, had a pretty exceptional um, – Accomplishment recently as she just got her black belt as well and she's looking forward to um, Showcasing her new skills for yeah. for worlds and stuff. Uh, Chloe McNally Oh, yeah, she's a great competitor. Yeah, and I actually texted her before uh, and I was like, hey, man I think uh, I think you do a, you would do pretty well like Talking to you. So I think mm -hmm. I think you guys should connect. Oh afterwards. for but, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, like she's just a phenomenal person and a phenomenal competitor and mm -hmm. uh, And I told her, you know, like we were we were talking the other day and I was like, you know Usually I leave people inspired but like what she had to say like really left me inspired So anyways, Chloe, I just wanted to That's give awesome. you a little bit of appreciation because she's so world-class and everyone knows who she is but like yeah. you just you don't necessarily she's not a name in everybody's mouth and by next, by in the next six months, she'll be a name in everybody's mouth. Definitely. So I'm just, I'm, ex I'm excited to see what she's got to do. Um, go backwards. Uh, how do we, how do we reach out? So you can follow me or message me on Instagram. It's probably the place that I'm at the most. Mindset Mike, mindset underscore Mike. If you want to see more uh, about what we do training wise, my, my, my page has quite a lot of information on it, but you could also follow wrestling mindset. That's the, um, you know, we work at 26 sports specific platforms and wrestling being the one that we probably have the most content with. So wrestling, very similar to grappling. I think you can relate to everything that we post. You can send me an email at mike at wrestlingmindset.com. And you can also, obviously, like if you DM me, I'm, I'm happy to chat. I'll, I'll give you my number. We'll figure out whether it's an opportunity for me to help you, for me to an opportunity to help your team. I work with a lot of teams, right? That's one of our, our biggest things, and not just individuals, entire fight teams, entire mm -hmm. lacrosse teams, entire Division One wrestling teams. And uh, yeah, I'm obviously, I left the FBI to do this. I'm very passionate about it. Um, I think it's no question that I do a pretty good job at like what I do as well. And I'm surrounded by a bunch of people that are equally passionate and do a phenomenal job. So um, I, I didn't do this, let me rephrase, I changed careers because of the impact that I knew it would make in sports. Mm -hmm. And that like, so like, you know, you see the shirt, uh, my buddy uh, D in um, Kentucky, he makes these shirts. He's a coach at Christian County High School, D level. And he made these shirts called Your Mission or Your Excuses. And I try to wear it as much as I can as a reminder that like all the decisions that you make on a daily basis, every decision, just like every piece of food that you eat or drink that you have, you know, everything that you choose to do or not do either feeds one of those two. And, you know, when I have difficult days or something doesn't go my way in like, you know, coaching or, you know, my athletes have something difficult or whatever the case may be, even in my toughest days, like I'll never feed my excuses because my mission is so much bigger than me and being able to help people perform, learn to perform to their potential in sports, that's going to help them learn to perform their potential in life. And sure. these, that, that's why, you know, like for me, people are like, how do you stay on the road 22 days at a time? How do you travel so much and go all over the country? I'm like, I get to do that. Like, that's cool. Like that's the coolest. I have one of the coolest jobs in sports. So just a shout out to Dean as a reminder, like everything that we do, it either feeds our mission and it feeds our excuses. The problem is if your mission is connected to outcomes, you're not going to be able to um, ride that wave without being very high or being very low. When your mission's bigger than you, you know, like glorifying God or whether it's, um, uh, you know, in, in impacting the sport or being an ambassador of the sport or showcasing your, whatever the case may be, when your mission is bigger than you, 
when you know your why, it's easier to figure out how. That's awesome. Well, thanks again, Mike, for your time. I really appreciate it. I think you gave some amazing, actionable advice in this interview. So I hope people get as much out of it as I did. And uh, right. like Mike mentioned, you can follow him at mindset underscore Mike on Instagram. You can also follow at wrestling mindset on Instagram. And yeah, thanks everyone for listening. This was episode 102 and hope to have you back on again soon, Mike. For sure. We'd love to. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.